TCU beats Baylor. The Frogs still have something to play for, or at least they have the postseason to play for against Oklahoma this Friday, uh, the day after Thanksgiving. So that's coming up this week. Uh, TCU got a new commit from the JUCO ranks, and Gary Patterson, he wants to get back into coaching. That's what he told Matt Mosley. Let's talk about all that and more next. It's Lockdown Horn Frogs. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Your team every day. I'm your host, Stephen Simcox. Uh, TCU, they get a victory over Baylor in the Blue Bonnet Battle. Subscribe to the Locked On Horn Frogs YouTube channel. Also, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you just you listen to podcasts. Thank you for doing that. Uh, sorry for my absence the last couple of days. I was on our annual family camping trip and did not have reliable internet or Wi Fi. And so it just wasn't really worth it to record anything. Um, Post game, she'll be back this coming Friday. Following the game against Oklahoma, and we'll have plenty of coverage this week leading up to the game against the Sooners. TCU gets a victory, though, 42-17 to over Baylor in their rivalry game. They win that trophy that we made fun of all week in the Blue Bonnet battle. But a uh, really good game by the front. I mean, there were still some things, and I'll talk about some of the negatives in this segment. The red zone offense struggled at times. They had turnovers, um, had some penalties that weren't ideal. But at the end of the day, I mean, they won this game going away. Baylor's not a good football team. That, that was made clear. I mean, we knew that going into it. It was made abundantly clear in this game in Fort Worth. I don't think David Rand will be back. I don't have sources saying that information, but it just feels like the writing's on the wall for him. But TCU has also really struggled this year. I mean, they, they've they been – they're two games under 500 going into that football game. So, uh, obviously, it wasn't out of the realm possibility that they would lose that or not play well and end up in a dogfight with a Baylor team um, that has had a rough season. And, I mean, there were times where that was the case. You know, they turned the ball over. Imani Bailey has a fumble on the offense's opening possession after the defense gets a stop. Baylor goes down and scores. They go up 7 nothing. They kept it a one-possession game throughout the first half and into the second half. But then TCU defense was able to get off the field on fourth down. Offense started to pick it up and get it done, and the Frogs end up winning. A couple guys I want to talk about that really impressed me. I was super happy for Jared Wiley, the uh, Frogs tight end, who it was his last game in the Carter. He transferred over from Texas a few years back, and he had an enormous day. Seven catches, 178 yards, and two touchdowns. And the biggest one was that 81-yard touchdown catch um, where he just ran down the seam, and for whatever reason, coverage bust. He was wide open. Hoover finds him. Um, around midfield, and he takes it to the house. Savion Williams had a nice block that, you know, got that last defender out of the way. But Jared's a guy that um, he's had a solid year overall. We were talking in the offseason about how he he appeared to be someone that was going to take a huge step forward this year as a receiver because last year he was really active in the run game, blocking. Um, he was a popular third down target for Max Duggan, popular red zone target for Max Duggan. But I felt like this was the season where he could put it all together and be a complete tight end. And his numbers on the year are, are really solid. 39 catches, 481 yards, six touchdowns. Um, and it was really helped by that 180-yard game that he had against Baylor. I still would have loved to have seen him get more targets. Uh, I just – that big frame at 6'7", he sometimes trips over his own feet. 
uh, when he's moving around out there, but ultimately moves really well, is able to break tackles, physical running the ball. Um, I feel like Jared Wiley has a, a bright future ahead of him. I think he's going to be at least somebody that gets an NFL camp invite. I feel like he's going to get drafted and will have a chance to make a roster and have a good career at the next level um, because the measurables are there and he's uh, quick on his feet. He can make, he's got a good catch radius. Um, it makes tough contested catches, does all the things you want the modern tight end to do. And I, I was happy that he got to go out on senior day and then get a victory for all those guys. And, and, you know, there's a lot of them. I won't list all the names, but Mark Perry, Jared Wiley, uh, Brandon Coleman, potentially Andrew Coker. I know he walked, even though he does have some extra eligibility, John lands, um, these players this year has not been what we thought it's been disappointing in a lot of ways, but they are still part of TCU history. I mean, they, they led this program to a place where they had never gotten to before um, in a place where honestly in the last few years of the Gary Patterson era, I was wondering, man, was 2014 like the one opportunity this team had to get to the mountaintop and they still didn't get to the mountaintop. We all know the story with the loss against Georgia but they won a playoff game. You know, they came a few plays away from winning a Big 12 title and going 13-0 and in the regular season. If you add the the um, Big 12 title game to that, they ran the table in the regular season and went 12-0. and They did just incredible things uh, and made a 180 from, you know, the previous two or three seasons that they had been there before and uh, left the program in a better place than they um, found it. And some of those guys are transfers. You know, they were only here for a couple of years, but still the impact – is really immeasurable. So I appreciate those guys. I'm glad that Jared Wiley um, had a huge day catching the ball. And, I mean, I, I feel like he's one of those players that we might look up in four or five years and think, man, why did we not give him more opportunities to catch the football? Um, but he did improve this year and became more active in this offense. Uh, and there were obviously a lot of reasons why it didn't go exactly how we thought or how we wanted to, but that was that in the Colorado game were kind of the two shining examples of what a, you know, engaged, like fully loaded, ready to go Jared Wiley could look like in the receiving game. And it was special to see him do that um, on his last game in, in the field there in Fort Worth. Uh, and I, I really like what Josh Hoover did as well. Uh, his stat line was great. I'll pull it up here. 24, 29, 412 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, didn't turn the ball over. Made big-time throws. I talked about the 81-yard touchdown pass to Jared, which, I mean, yeah, vertical passing game, like it wasn't – you didn't throw it 60 yards in the football field, but it was a coverage bust. He found his man. They got a big play. Um, and he also hit Savion on a deep go route. It was one for one. And that that feels like the – like Jared – or uh, Josh has had some, some trouble connecting on those plays. And so that felt like a big moment. I think it was second and 12. They were backed up, you know, in the shadow of their own end zone. And he's able to hit Savion over the top. Um, had a few opportunities in that Tech game to connect with him and just couldn't do it. So that was nice to see. It looks like he's much more decisive. Um, we even saw him use his legs a little bit and run for a touchdown. And I don't expect Josh to do that week in and week out. Um, but I think that there, there's multiple reasons why this team has not been able to run the football. And the main one is um, that their O-line is just not very good at run blocking. And, and so that's like, that's the biggest issue. And, and there's no, like, there's no real way around that. They're trying to find creative ways to mitigate, you know, the damage from that. But short yardage and goal line situations are going to be an uphill battle. But one thing that Josh can do to help the numbers, because teams are just, 
in these third and one, fourth and one, or first and goal, whatever it is, situations where you need positive yardage, um, and pretty much everybody in the stadium knows you're going to run the ball, everyone's selling out for Imani Bailey. And so if – I know Josh Hoover's not like – he's not Mike Vick, right? Um, and he's not – he might not even be Chandler Morris with his ability to move with his legs, but he's not a statue back there. And so if he could just occasionally – and maybe what he did on Saturday will help unlock this a little bit and loosen things up some. Pull that ball, and hopefully we get two more games. It might just be one. But – pull the ball out of the mesh point and take it himself, then I think that could do some big things for that offense. And I don't know how much of that too is, I mean, they're Chandler's back now, but there's, they've been pretty limited with the quarterback depth chart. And so I know that's probably taking out a lot of the design run game for the quarterback. Um, but that's a huge part of Kendall's offense. I mean, it wasn't just something that he did with KJ Jefferson because KJ was big and built like a linebacker and could do those things. Everywhere he's been, he's used a quarterback in the run game to a certain extent. Um, and so I feel like it would really help things moving forward. I, I I think Josh has set up the coaching staff with a very big decision in the offseason. Um, he's played well. His numbers are pretty identical to Chandler Morris. I saw somebody having an exchange with Stephen Johnson from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram on Twitter today, and they sort of screenshotted like we're – um, basically at the same amount of games between Chandler and Josh at this point. And Chandler's numbers are slightly better. But uh, Stephen brought up that you have to you have to consider the competition level, right? And I think especially the last few weeks, starting with the Tech game, the, the K-State game was such a disaster. But Tech, Texas, and now Baylor. And BYU was a, a great performance by him as well. But those three, the, the last three games, it feels like he's getting better each week. It feels like he's getting more comfortable. He's understanding what he needs to do. Um, really, in the second half of that Texas game and into this Baylor game, he protected the ball well after that really bad interception right before halftime. So I like a lot of the things that Josh has done. He's got a good arm. Um, I think he fits this offense well. At the same time, he's not lighting the world on fire. And so – I feel like you you have to bring in some somebody who's experienced in the portal, in the transfer portal this offseason, who's going to be able to compete or at least just, you know, push him a little bit in camp. Um, and, and we saw this this past offseason with, with Chandler. I, I don't think the coaching staff was telling quarterbacks, like, it's his job. But it seemed implied, just based on a lot of decisions that were made, that it was his job to lose. And – Maybe that had some people going, eh, I don't know if I want to go there, right? And, and compete if it's not going to be a real actual competition. And so bring somebody in, make it in a real competition that starts in the spring if possible and get after it and see who wins. Um, now, I also think if if Josh is able to beat Oklahoma and uh, maybe win a bowl game or have a good performance in those two games or have a really good performance against OU and – you know, a game that maybe you lose the last minute, then that gives you a lot of confidence going into next season. Um, and I still feel like you need to bring someone in, but maybe there's not nearly as much pressure going into the offseason and trying to find, you know, a starting level caliber quarterback. But Hoss Haney, I'm excited about him. Um, I think he's going to be a, a great player. I just don't see him being ready to, to start as a true freshman. I mean, that's a really hard ask for anybody. 
Um, and, and so I think that's an unfair thing to just expect him to do that coming in cold, you know, to a new environment, a new system in, in college football in general. Um, so we'll see how all that plays out. But I, I like what I'm seeing from Josh. And I think this is another chance this weekend. And hopefully he'll get those bowl practices if they can find a way to win um, to just show his skill set and show that he's getting more confidence. And the team really seems to respond down well. And so that's been a bright spot over these last few games, and especially in the victory. When we come back, some final thoughts about this game, and then uh, TCU football landed to commit over the weekend. So we'll talk about that next here on Locked on Horn Frogs. We're going to talk recruiting in a moment, and it's a great segue because our recruiting segments are brought to you by LinkedIn. Why is that? Well, because LinkedIn is the best in the game when it comes to talent acquisition for your company or your, or your business. If you were in the uh, business of hiring people or trying to find out um, – you know, who the best person is to, to take the job that the business you own or just the business you work at, LinkedIn Jobs is the way to go. LinkedIn is a fantastic database because everybody knows about LinkedIn. It's the number one name when it comes to finding work. So the people that are there, they're there to find work. They You can cast a wide net. You can get a, a large, expansive database of people that you can reach. And then they'll put in their resumes, applications, all those things. And you can start looking through and they have simple screening questions and other tools that make it really easy to narrow down that focus. So you're not wasting a lot of time and you got to find the right person, the right culture fit, the right qualifications. LinkedIn makes it easy for you. LinkedIn jobs, go to linkedin.com slash locked on college. Let me pull up the, uh, the overlay here on YouTube, linkedin.com slash locked on college, post your job for free. That's the best part. If it ain't free, it ain't me. LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. Uh, number one job site. They're ranked number one in small businesses and finding talent. Talent acquisition is the name of the game. Um, don't do it halfway. Use LinkedIn today. LinkedIn, proud sponsor of the Lockdown Network. We have a really cool uh, thing that we've been launching. It started last week. We have a national channel now that features our Locked On shows. So if you love the Lockdown Network, whether it's Lockdown Horn Frogs, um, if you've dipped into Locked On Mavs, Locked On Rangers, whatever the case might be, now there is one place where you can watch all these shows. Locked On has launched its first ever national sports streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts. Uh, and Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Again, that's Locked On Sports Today. Subscribe there today. Um, so, yeah, I thought the defense played well against Baylor. You know, this is a Baylor team that struggled. Uh, I feel like Blake Shapin's actually shown a lot of toughness and tenacity. He was injured in this ball game late in the game. This season has shown some improvement, but the skill positions – just they just have no explosiveness at all. And overall, TCU did a solid job. Dominic Richardson led the rushing attack with 66 yards on 17 carries. Drake Dabney had four receptions for 77 yards. Defense caught some breaks. Uh, Monterey Baldwin had a horrible drop on what would have been a walk-in touchdown. Um, I think Baylor ended up scoring on that drive, though. Uh, and in the second half, they got some fourth down stops, got the, the offensive ball in good field position and allow them to go down the field and get it going. And really, aside from, you know, Baylor's first scoring drive of the game where uh, they put together a touchdown drive after the Imani Bailey fumble, and there were some converted third downs and some other frustrating things that happened, 
aside from that, I thought the defense played really solidly. Now, it's going to be a much bigger test against Oklahoma. Curious thing about Oklahoma, though, Dylan Gabriel went out with a, a con- what appeared to be a concussion. They listed it as a head injury on the injury report uh, against uh, BYU on the road. And so Jackson Arnold had to play the second half of that football game. Oklahoma does, ends up escaping. They win 24-17. to 17. Now, Jackson Arnold's super talented. Five-star quarterback, true freshman. Um, but, I mean, he was the man coming out of high school, a huge key piece that Brett Venables landed almost immediately when he made it to campus. Um, and so this is not – I mean, this is a talented dude, right? But still a young QB who would be making his first career start against the Frogs who ends up shaking out that way. Now, Venables said that they're hopeful – um, that Gabriel can play. They think he can get back pretty quick. Concussion protocol is tricky, and and I don't know all the steps that has to be taken. You know, on a short week, it seems like that would be a tough thing to do to get back and be cleared to play on Friday, um, but we'll see what happens. And I think this is a game where if you have a young QB back there, I hope Joe Gillespie, even though it's against his nature, I hope he's aggressive. I hope he's getting after Jackson Arnold, trying to heat him up, trying to force bad decisions. Um, because that's one way to really get somebody off their game. You know, we saw it. These are two different defenses, but K-State against CCU, they completely changed the timing and just obliterated a lot of that quick passing game stuff by just constantly putting pressure in the face of Josh Hoover. And so um, hopefully the Frogs can do that if it does end up being Arnold. But either way, you know, you want to get pressure on Dylan Gabriel as well if he does end up being the starter. Uh, And, you know, there were things in that football game that – Listen, this team has issues that are just not going to get solved before the end of the season. Like, the red zone offense is bad. And, I mean, the main reason is their O-line's not very good. I, I still take issue with some of Kendall Brown's play calls. Um, and that was the other thing I was going to say about the Hoover situation, the quarterback situation. So much of this, too, hinges on what do you decide to do there? I mean, if you're going to keep Kendall around, then it makes a ton of sense to keep Josh. And I, I think regardless, it does. But – you bring in a new coordinator and that, you know, sets a lot of wheels in motion. I'm not like if, if they let Kendall Browse go, I'd be totally okay with that. But I just mean, that's another factor in the equation of figuring this out and, and who you move forward with at that key position. Um, and so he had like, he, he called a reverse play with Savion Williams on a fourth and one that didn't work the fumble. I think it was Brandon Coleman. Unfortunately, he just got blown up. Um, at the guard position, and Imani ran right into him and fumbled the ball. But that was on a first and goal play. And that fourth and one call, I mean, I, I will say, like, I thought watching it live, I thought Savion might have had a chance to get the first down if he just got north and south, especially with as physical as he is running the football when he does get downhill. In my mind, I was just like, get up the field. He just kept going sideline to sideline, trying to find, trying to get the edge, trying to find an opening. And he ends up getting strung out all the way to the other side of the field and, and gets tackled before getting that first down. Um, but things like that, I mean, he's called he's called things like that all year. And I think part of it is, yeah, it, it's an issue that's followed him from stop to stop because – and Jeff Levy, who, who they'll be working against on the other side of the ball this week too, the Oklahoma offense coordinator, he's also been accused of this. They just get too cute in the red zone. But I, part of that too is like they don't think they can run between – the guard and tackle. Um, and for the most part, they've been right. I mean, in those obvious rushing situations, they haven't been able to run the football. And even the big runs that Imani had this weekend, you know, one of them, he, he cuts in between two defenders and takes it to the house. Another one, he bounced off four or five tackles. There's just no easy yards in the run game right now. And it's it's super frustrating to watch. 
Um, and it's been a problem all year long. TCU added a commit to their 2024 class, a JUCO player, Caden McMahon from Tyler Junior College. He played his high school ball um, at Liberty Hill. He's six foot three, 225 pounds, not currently ranked on 247 Sports in their database. He had an official visit over the weekend for that Baylor game and said he loved everything about it. And Fort Worth felt like home for me. He told that to Mike Roach of 247 Sports. And uh, he grew up, you know, in the DFW area playing at Liberty Hill and was a big TCU fan. Um, he had 60 tackles, uh, three tackles for loss, and three interceptions in his senior season at Liberty Hill and led them to the state championship game where they ultimately fell against South Oak Cliff. Um, has only played one year at, at TJC. Uh, so, again, I mean, kind of a, a high upside guy, more of a project guy. That's been their strategy this this cycle. I don't know if that's um, out of necessity. I'm not sure how much that's just kind of the direction they were forced to go or wanted to go. But um, Cade McMahon, linebacker from Tyler Junior College, another another instance where they're just kind of trusting the scouting department. And I'm excited for him. It, it's really cool that uh, he dreamed of being at TCU Liberty Hill is – um, one of the most storied programs in the state of Texas. They're really good year after year on the offensive side of the ball. They run a triple option attack that's really deadly. So um, it's, they keep adding talent. And, you know, they rank 34th in the 247 rankings. Uh, and, and so they've really they've filled out this class with a lot of players that they think are just going to get it done and maybe are undervalued. And we'll, we'll see what those evaluations look like in a few years. But um, Cade McMahon, the uh, – Linebacker from Tyler Junior College, Liberty, originally from Liberty Hill, excuse me, Caden McMahon. He ends up at TCU uh, and excited that he's going to be a frog and looking forward to what he does moving forward. When we come back, Gary Patterson told Matt Mosley he wants to get back into coaching. What does that mean? We'll talk about it next here on Lockdown Horn Frogs. Prize picks, daily fantasy games, prizepicks.com slash locked on college. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. I'm watching Monday Night Football right now, Eagles and Chiefs. And Prize Picks has this really cool uh, deal. It's part of their specials tab. If you want to make some combo projections, because we've got NBA and NFL going on at the same time right now, we got some overlap. So if you want to pro- make some projections on combined number of three pointers by LeBron James and receptions by Travis Kelsey, in a given game, you can do that. You can mix and match. Uh, it only takes about 60 seconds to 90 seconds to get some of these bets going. It's just simple over-unders on stat totals. Prizepicks.com slash college. If you go there, they'll match your first deposit up to $100. So that's just free money that you can play with. You can get to know the app, get to know the systems, get a feel for what you're doing. Prizepicks, the best daily fantasy app out there. Prizepicks.com. Slash locked on college. So Matt Mosley, who uh, works at ESPN Central Texas, I used to do a radio show with him uh, five days a week before I left the radio industry and got into podcasting and a, a day job in mortgage is a tale as old as time. But um, Matt, funny enough, like Matt, even though he's a, a diehard Baylor guy and multiple generations and his family went to BU, he's become really good friends with Gary Patterson. Over the years, they've just developed a friendship. And so he had Gary on uh, last week. And if you, a few of you asked me about this, I'm going to do an entire segment on it tomorrow, but I wanted to just kind of set the table for it in our last segment today. Um, he had Gary on, and his, his plan initially 
he told me this. He said, my plan was I was going to have Gary on. I was going to talk about, you know, the Baylor-CC rivalry, the new name for the game, the trophy, memories, right, all that stuff. And if you listen to the interview, and he said this, Matt said this to me, he was like, I found out pretty quick Gary didn't want to talk about that. And if you listen to the interview, that's pretty obvious. Gary wasn't, like, rude about it or mean or anything, but uh, Matt was asking him about, you know, the Blue Bonnet battle name and some of his favorite memories from those games, those battles with Baylor. And and Gary was just giving really short answers. Like, he didn't he didn't really budge on any of it or bind on any of it. But then later in the episode, later in the interview, Matt kind of pivots and starts talking about, you know, what he's up to these days, what he wants to do. And Gary sort of unprompted says that he wants to get back into coaching, says he feels like he's got some years left in him. And I'm not shocked by that, but I mean, he's been out of the game for two years. I think this is a, a pretty direct attempt and I'm sure he's doing this in the back channels as well, but just to let people know, Hey, the, the tenure at Texas was not me riding off into the sunset. It wasn't me saying goodbye. I wanted to take some time to evaluate, to decompress, to learn some things. And now I'm ready to jump at this again and and try it. And so uh, I'm fascinated by where he might land. I think, you know, I I asked Matt, I was like, do you feel like you want to be a DC? Because my first thought was he could be a defensive coordinator at about any Power 5 school in the nation. I think people would pay handsomely for his services. And he said, no, it sounds like he wants to be a head coach. Um, So – We'll see what happens. Jerry Kill at New Mexico State, he's got the Aggies just cooking. They've won nine games this year. They just beat Auburn on the road and won that game handily, right? And I could see Gary in a group of five school. I think that would make a ton of sense. Um, And, I mean, I think there will be some power five interests as well. So we'll talk more about that tomorrow. Um, Also, tomorrow night, CCU basketball takes on Alcorn State as men's basketball team continues to just – build that schedule, get that non-conference schedule going uh, for this upcoming conference slate that will be starting in January. And they're coming off a win um, on Friday night and looking to continue that to stay undefeated and just build on what's been exciting to start to the season. So we'll have coverage of that and more. It's Locked on Horn Frogs. It's your team every day.